Yo. Welcome to episode one. 64, got three, no, three, at yeah, three, three. God, I, I remember what episode this is, I promise. I, one day we're going to remember the episode, of, uh, number of the podcast, I promise you. But yeah, welcome to episode 163 of the Zaycoma Podcast. It's your boy, Mr. ZCP from the 863, a.k.a. Mr. Zaycoma, a.k.a. Polk County's number one podcast. Yes, we are still Polk County's number one podcast, no matter what the numbers say. We are. Are number one. Anyways, um, God, if you're hearing this podcast on November second, then you're probably just you like you know you're shooting as any other podcast. If you were waiting all day for the Zaycom podcast, like a few of you were, I got to talk to y'all just a little bit on why this podcast is coming out as of right now. This is ten forty p.m. and we got a lot to get into because a lot has happened since Friday. My PC crashed this morning. <laughs> I know this sounds like a you know a typical uh, podcaster's story on why they can't get a podcast. My PC was literally crashed on me. Two, we've been doing this podcast. We're as we're in November first now, so this is the sixteenth month of us doing podcasting. Never crashed on me once during an episode. In the last two podcasts that I've done, well. I guess three technically because we did two on Friday. The last three podcasts that I've done, my PC has crashed on me getting ready to do the episode. And that's why the basketball one from Friday went up late. And then the pod, the one from the, the non-basketball episode from Friday, they didn't even go up until Saturday because of how long it took me to record that episode. So for like I said, for the long story short, Pot the, the the PC dropped or God the PC dropped the PC uh crashed and might have to go invest into a new PC. I know I, I'm talking myself out of it, but I might be talking myself back into it only because I desperately need it and I don't want to go through another crashing se- sequence. If I do, I got to go through this crashing sequence at six o'clock in the morning and not you know one o'clock in the afternoon like I usually do these podcasts. But it was a blessing in disguise because after the podcast, um, the Brooklyn Nets made one of the most, I wouldn't say surprising because this it needed to happen. They fired Steve Nash. And coincidentally, the Brooklyn Nets also had a game tonight, which we will get into later. But Steve Nash fired and Jacques Vaughn for the time being. He is the uh, acting head coach for the foreseeable future. But they are looking to bring in the names were Ime Udoka, um, I believe Quinn Snyder was in uh, the mix too, which I thought was very interesting because, you know, one of his former players, Royce O'Neal, is over there. And it said, among others, it didn't name anybody specific. I'm sure Mike D'Antoni was probably in that mix too. You know, the usual Mike D'Antoni, Phil Jackson, uh, basically, that you, you know, your usual names that get thrown around in the coaching hat. Um, Scott Brooks probably. Anyways, the point is, this is a. It's a move that, in honesty, was hinted at about three months ago. Should have happened three months ago. After you know, was it has it been three playoff disappointments so far? 
two two play, playoff disappointments. They had the the twenty twenty one where they lost to the Milwaukee. I know factors differentiated in that one, but still lost. And then getting swept last year by Boston. There was no rhyme or reason for that one. And then, of course, to the god-awful start that they've had so far this year, which continued, spoiler alert, they lost to the Chicago Bulls tonight, which we'll get into the Chicago Bulls in specific, or <laughs> we'll get into that game and specifically into Kyrie Irving. Um, yeah, because got some things to talk about in that game. Not specifically Kyrie's fault, although he had a big hand in it, but we'll get into it later. Um, personally, I don't think a single head coach in the NBA can fix what is currently wrong with the Brooklyn Nets. Kyrie is Kyrie Irving. We've detailed that enough. Ben Simmons is having his issues. Kevin Durant is trying his damnness to make this team feel at least somewhat competitive, somewhat relevant in the Eastern Conference. It is not working. The role players aren't what you expected them. God, especially Royce O'Neal and TJ Warren is falling off the face of the earth. This has been a disaster so far for the first two weeks of the season. Yes, we are already two weeks in. And it feels like with every passing moment, this team looks more and more lottery bound. Um, Also forgot to point, because y- y'all can hear it in my voice, but I forgot to point. Also forgot to point out that I'm sick. I feel I've been feeling like shit for the last couple of days. I feel like that's a, a evergreen statement from me on the podcast. Y'all all, always catch Zay when he's sick. Um, Lord knows what happens. Isn't there's nothing wrong? Like I clean my house, I clean my fans, I clean my uh my kitchen. There's like I said, there's nothing dirty that made me. Uh, it's mostly me sleeping under a fan all night that I have my fan blasting every night. So that might be what it is. But all in all, you know, you got your you got cold day today. So <sighs> back to the Brooklyn Nets though. I don't think there's a single coach that could fix this problem. It's just a a wait-and-see game at this point with them because they are definitely – it is definitely a uh, a problem. It's definitely something that can be fixed or it can be fixed through roster personnel more than coach. I'm, I'm going to let y'all spell that one out for you, but, uh, yeah. Anyways, though. Back to the off uh the 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 right now hand. Yeah, I think it's likely email Yudoka, but again he has his own issues that's going on that uh that don't necessarily fit into the the thought process of what the Brooklyn Nets are, although you know, make your own judgments there. But overall, Brooklyn just ain't it. Just one point just wanna say that. It it ain't it in Brooklyn. Next, um Almost feel uncomfortable talking about it because we just kind of got off of email Udoka, but in a way, we could tie that together. I'm going to let you put two in together. Josh Primo. Again, I genuinely, I went into this podcast this morning, I should say, which, you know, it was about what, 1230 I said this. I really didn't want to talk about Josh Primo. I really didn't want to talk about it. Then I had to, and like I said, I had to, I had to bring myself to do it because, like, there's only... There's only so much I could really do, but the San Antonio Spurs did release him, unfortunately, uh, stemmed from multiple uh, uh, alleged instances instances of him exposing himself to women, sources told ESPN on Saturday. These transcripts are from ESPN, by the way. 
the decision to release Primo on Friday night was sudden and shocking, and it spoke to the severity of the issue surrounding the promising 19-year-old player. The team had previously picked up the $4.3 million option on Primo's contract, signifying a level of confidence in his future with the franchise. Also on Saturday, attorney Tony Busby told ESPN he has retained he has been retained by a woman who worked for the Spurs and has alleged Primo exposed himself to her. Busby represented multiple women in sexual misconduct lawsuits against the Cleveland Browns quarterback, Deshaun Watson. Many NBA teams remain intrigued with Primo's talent and potential, but are searching for a more complete understanding of the situation as they weigh the possibility of placing a claim to acquire Primo before he clears waivers and becomes a free agent Monday. Which, yesterday, but you, you get me. Um, the, To claim Primo, a team would need a, a available cap space or a traded player exception significant enough to absorb his $4.1 million salary this year. It would also owe him $4.3 million on his contract for 2023-2024. In a statement ESPN on Friday, Primo acknowledged a need to continue mental health treatment more fully. Again, I'm going to let y'all figure that one out on your own. I know that you all are surprised by today's announcement. Primo said in a statement, I've been seeking help to deal with previous trauma uh, I suffered. It will now take this time to focus on my mental health treatment more fully. I hope to be able to discuss these issues in the future so I can help others who have suffered in a similar way. I appreciate your privacy at this time. Then it gets into his playing career, and it is our hope that in the long run, this decision will serve the best serve the best for both uh, the organization and Joshua Spurs CEO RC Buford said in a statement. Okay. So now that we have that uncovered, um, I, again, don't necessarily want to get into his specifics because it's kind of disgusting. If I'm being honest with you, we don't really want to have that conversation, but we're going to have to have this conversation. Teams are looking or taking serious matters like this more serious now. We've we've gone down this road with uh, Miles Bridges. We've gone down this road with Ime Udoka. Granted, Ime Udoka is probably going to get another job, but that's neither here nor there. And uh, and sorry, and and uh, Josh Primo basically lost his job, and I don't see another team that's willing to, that's going to take another chance on him. So, with that being said, where do we begin? Will he ever get a job, or will he get a, a another opportunity a few years down the line, maybe? I'm sure this is probably going to be a ploy to get him to go to Europe, refine his game, and then come back to the NBA like almost nothing happened. Hi, Michael Beasley. Um, I'm very much not looking forward to whoever picks him up because... If an issue like, first of all, an issue like this was held, basically was held private for, it didn't say a specific date, but it this is very something, very much something that literally anything could have happened. Like it, like anything could have happened at any time. And it, again, before I say this, I'm not victim blaming. I'm not victim shaming. I'm simply saying that. This went quiet and nobody said nothing about it. Speaks volumes to how that organization is really ran. And DeJounte Murray kind of hinted at that. At f- like basically from the jump of him getting traded from San Antonio. 
Pop and R.C. Buford run a, an organization that is pretty tight, close-neck that people don't want to, you know, people don't be talking about. People don't, like, people will never um, truly discuss the what really goes on in San Antonio Spurs locker rooms or in the San Antonio Spurs uh, organization. And that's kind of scary, actually, because, you know, realistically, you these are conversations that should be had. These are uh, situations that should be brought forth immediately after it happens, immediately after it's caught. Don't wait to tell anybody this situation. Don't wait to get, um, don't wait until it's too late. Don't wait until it's a, a an insignificant part. Because realistically, if this story comes out a month ago, the Spurs wouldn't have to owe uh, Josh Primo another $4.3 million. Just because this happened, this was put out after they picked up his team option for next season. The $4.3 million difference from the San Antonio Spurs. First of all, that could, that could be a lot in some cases. It could be, it's a, you know, that's a good role player in the NBA. Or sorry, a good, like, end of the bench guy in the rotation to speak. Uh, Gorgie Jang, who's on that roster. That's $4.3 million basically worth it. That's two Gorgie Jangs. For the simple part, just for the simple fact that they completely forgot, or sorry, they they completely neglected an employee on the team. And honestly, it was like that in Boston too, because in Boston they said the situation was was going on back during last season. You may you didn't Yudoka didn't get caught until late September, basically late late September, early October. They he didn't get caught till then. This was going on back in May. So how long was this Josh Primo situation going on? June? July, maybe, because he was the summer league. August, probably in the in training room. September during training camp. October during the preseason and regular season. When did this happen? We need specifics on this. Like I, I understand, but 99% of other people don't care. But there's a fine line. Like, if this just happened, then, you know, props to the Spurs for actually discovering this. But if this happened back in, like, May, what the fuck are the Spurs doing? Literally, what are y'all doing? Can y'all give any any and every explanation as to why this just came out? Nobody was digging into, you know... And again, multiple people have had this situation. And this wasn't... Like, this wasn't one girl that, just, you know, just but all oh, Josh Primo showed his dick to me. No, this is a multiple girl situation. So I'm going to need you to get on that investigation. Now, God, um, how, how do we even transition from that? Um, games, God, um, I guess I was. Dead wrong about the uh, Utah Jazz, huh? J- Utah Jazz, for context, and I'm going to look at, for this live so y'all understand that I was not on the, the, the Utah Jazz uh, radar for the first, what was it, for the for the preseason, for the regular season. What, like, and I wasn't on there, that, like, I wasn't on that train at all. Like, I genuinely, I don't even remember where... Oh, I got you. 
the Utah Jazz were ranked 28th in my power rankings. And for context, they were ranked as the 14th best team in the West. As of this recording, have the best record in the NBA at 6-2. Yeah. One of the few things I got wrong. Um, one of the first, literally one of the first things I've gotten wrong in my entire, um, in the pod, in my podcast room, best record at six and two as of, again, as of this recording, because the Phoenix Suns are playing, uh, are playing the Timberwolves and the Suns are currently five and one. If they beat the Timberwolves and they'd be six and one, which that leaves them a half game better than Utah. But still best team in the East. Sorry, best team in the West. And it's literally Laurie Markkinen, who I've slept on so much to the point where I've forgotten to play him in fantasy. And it's completely biting me in the ass because I'm 10th in the 12th in the 12 person league. I want to point out while I I did say that the Utah Jazz were a hodgepodge of people, I said this hodgepodge of people is going to fuck around and be the best team in the league. And I was joking when I said that. I literally, like, I'm on record for saying that they're tw- the 28th best team in the league. And I, but jokingly, I said in the predictions episode, so my face is in the camera when I say it. Will Hardy might fuck around and win Coach of the Year, <laughs> and Will Hardy might fuck around and win Coach of the Year if this hodgepodge group of people is six and two at this point in the season. Six and two. They look at literally the best record in the league. And again, actually, while I'm um, while I'm recording, I'm literally watching the Phoenix Suns game. And first of all, Devin Booker and Anthony Edwards are going at it. But like legitimately, I'm watching this game, and like the Jazz might fucking run and be the the best team in the league two weeks into the season, record wise. And it will currently Phoenix is winning about thirteen, but um. Make the oh sorry no they're still thirteen Cam, uh, campaign just missed the layup but the temple like the and again the Phoenix Suns oh sorry the Utah Jazz the Utah, obviously I'm watching this and Anthony Edwards has got to add one but the Utah Jazz and again there's so many they they have quality NBA players but I would think eh, they'll probably phone it in for Victor nah Mike Conley said fuck that Laurie Marketer said fuck that Kelly Olynyk said fuck that Jared Vanderbilt same thing. Um, Malik Beasley, Colin Sexton. Like they, this is a talented roster. Don't get it twisted. And ninety percent of these guys were in the playoffs last year. Kelly Olynyk, I think, was the only person in that I mentioned that wasn't either in the playoffs or the play in last year. Anthony Edwards completed the one. Um, but I was wondering, again, just for my own sake, how exactly were we going to get a six? Oh, Devin Booker just had a nasty cut, but. And Bismack Mr. Lake. But um it was wondering I was wondering literally, because <laughs> again, sitting here, why did the we not see this coming from Utah? Literally sitting here like you know, six and two, they got quality players, they got a you know good coaching staff, because again, I said Will Hardy was gonna be the best hire of the of the year. I, I'm on pace for saying that, or sorry, I'm on record for saying that too. My face ain't in the camera, but I am on record for saying that. You know my voice by now. I will say that Will Hardy was a better hire than people would give them credit for. And guess what? He was 
a W hire. The perfect hire. Um, Jaden McDaniels just ran the fuck over Cam Johnson, but I, I don't. Did they call a charge on that? Uh, I think they called a reach and foul on Cam Johnson. But, but the point is, like, we really should have saw this coming. Because again, they have ten to twelve really quality NBA players on this roster. Got a couple of rookies, but I don't. They call a charge on Jaden McDaniels, and that's that's genuinely interesting. But um. But it was I was wondering, like, where do we where did we not see this? Like, again, we talked about the starting five. We mentioned Jordan Clarkson um off the bench and or I guess Jordan Clarkson starting, but with you know, the the mixing of uh Jordan Clarkson and Kyle Sexton and starting a bench. Um we mentioned uh, Kelly Olenek, Laurie Mark and Jay Van. Even like um Yudoka's Wike, I think was a is was a uh, pretty solid pick in the twenty twenty draft. Which didn't get a whole lot of tick in his rookie year, but his second year he definitely was uh, getting a lot of playing time, and he was contributing well in wins. So, like I said, it was interesting in the, that we didn't see any of this coming due to the, the the pedigree of a lot of dudes on this roster. No NBA champions, unfortunately, but a lot of guys that has been in, in crazy situations. Conley's in what year fifteen at this point, sixteen. Um, Jordan Clarkson's been around for a while now. Same with like. Even though it's only like his fourth or fifth year, Colin Sexton has been through a lot. Larry Marketing has been through a lot. Like these dudes have been through through hell and back. Malik Beasley, um, like literally everybody on this rotation has been through hell and back one multiple in multiple situations. So we probably should have seen this coming that they were probably going to be a good team. But we were blinded by the fact that they traded their two best players. Um, so there's that. Um another team we want to talk about, Los Angeles Lakers. Oh my God! The Lakers won their first fucking game. Genuinely, a one eighty two was on the back of my mind. Not not seriously, but it was kind of on the back of my mind. And uh, the botched handoff with Devin Booker got the ball back, and I was in uh, Lakers fans to celebrate like they won the damn championship. Like nah, y'all got a good three minute stretch from Russell Westbrook that. And took advantage of the fact that Jamal Murray is just not a good player currently in, in um post injury. But like I will I will give all this. That was the best the Lakers looked in two seasons. I'm talking in their 30, was it 37 wins last year? 33 wins, something like that. Last year in in their first one, like this in the 82 games that they played last year, and so far the six games that they played this season. This is the best they've looked since they won a championship. Russell Westbrook looked competent. Um, LeBron was LeBron fucking James. Anthony Davis was healthy. Like, the Lakers looked competent. That's all that we wanted was them to look competent. Now, granted, I don't see the, how long this lasts because, again, they got New Orleans knocking on that ass soon. Anthony Edwards just hit a three. Um... And Chris Paul just oh never mind, they didn't call it, but Chris Paul just jet into Jordan McLaughlin. Um Devin Booker missed three, Cat gets Cat gets the rebound. Um Tim Bulls on a break. But um but yeah, like like I'm not expecting because yeah, yeah, the Pelicans knocking on that ass. Um they're gonna have uh, Utah twice now that Utah's a good team and shit. You they got Utah twice. I'm not really um expecting a whole lot. I'm gonna actually real quick look up the Lakers next five. 
um see what, what they uh what they looking like for the next five games. Cause I know they got Utah twice after this. Um, they got Cleveland again. Oh, so yeah, so yeah, New Orleans tomorrow, Utah Friday, Cleveland Sunday, Utah Monday. Um, the Clippers on Wednesday, which the Clippers just got a good win. Um, and the Kings on Friday. They got a good, good little easy stretch here with the Kings, the Nets, the Pistons. Spurs are a good team, but or a good record, but realistically, this team's gonna be eh. Um, and then the Suns, Spurs again. They got the Spurs three times in a week. Wow. Um, <laughs> the twentieth, the twenty fifth, and the twenty sixth. And then they got the Pacers. Like I said, that seems like a pretty easy ass schedule, and that leads into fucking December. So basically, they got an easy ass November, is what I'm telling you. Like from November 9th to November 30th, they got an easy ass three weeks, basically. If the Lakers don't win at least half of those, they're fucking done. If they don't beat Brooklyn or Detroit or San Antonio one of those three times, they're done. But overall, like I said, this still this team still has a lot of holes and a lot of of growing to do as a franchise, but it's a step in the right direction. And Denver we we'll to have a, maybe a little conversation about Denver because, well, it's Denver. And I understand four and three still. They're still a, a plus 500 team. Portland and L.A. in the, was the five-day stretch was abysmal. It was abysmal. There's no other way to put it. That was, Those two games were absolutely disgusting and i understand you know they got a lot of things happening michael porter jr doesn't have the 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 rust problems jamal murray does but the defense is not nearly what i thought the defense would be this season that they that that defense has absolutely it's it's disappointing me and i'm just just off the numbers 121 to the Lakers, 135 to the Blazers. Despite the win, 117 to the Nuggets. Despite, oh, sorry, to the Thunder. Despite the win, 123 to the Warriors, 123 to the Jazz. Also another 101 to the Jazz, but, you know, they won. And the, the Jazz, it was more the Jazz shooting than it was Denver's defense. I, I assume the signing of Bruce Brown um, the draft, sorry, the um, Eric Gordon getting into the extension, trading for KCP. Um, I expected that to drafting Christian Braun. I thought even Peyton Watson also. I thought were the 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 answers to this defense. That is not the answer to this defense. And honestly, don't know what the answer is. The defense plus Jamal Murray's conditioning has um very much uh sat. Or has very much uh, saddled this team to mediocrity as opposed to something any um anywhere good. Um, but but we'll see with them. Like the the Denver Nuggets, I I'm not that I only am and like this because I had them as genuinely like the third or fourth best team in the West, and they're playing. I think they're currently ranked what seventh. I know we're early in the season. We still got seventy five games to go. But um, currently ranked tied for seven, tied for eighth with Memphis actually, um, actually they're actually in a four way tie with Tim, the Timberwolves who are currently only down four currently with the ball and Carlton Towns has Cam Johnson on them you know how that goes, 
Um, we didn't take advantage of it. That's weird. Timberwolves, the Grizzlies, and the Thunder, and even Dallas is at three and three. So, like they don't, they have only but so much uh wiggle room to go, and God, tough bucket from Cam Johnson. But the, it was a, a pretty. I've noticed also Minnesota's interior defense is not nearly as good tonight as it has been with uh Rigo Bear in the lineup. But that's weird. Um. Timberwolves got the bucket back, by the way. Cam Johnson just hit a three. Cam Johnson's going fucking crazy right now. Um, I hope <laughs> golly, Cam Johnson's going ridiculous. But um, anyways, back to the original conversation. I hope, like I said, I hope everything is good with Denver by game 30, 35, and they can get back to sailing how they want to. Because if they're gonna be if they're fighting for the seventh, eighth seed in um in April. They might fuck around being a play-in team, and it only takes one game, really, for everything to go downhill for Denver. And that's not what we want because I genuinely think this team, this currently constructed team, can win an NBA championship. Next team I want to talk about, it feels a little apropos because we, again, we kind of just mentioned them earlier, but the Dallas Mavericks. Luka. I said you was an MVP candidate. I said you was gonna win the MVP this year. MVPs don't don't do what they he did in OKC. I believe they were up seventeen with about four minutes left. Eighteen with about four minutes left. And Shea, first of all, Shea Gilgis Alexander for All Star. If he's not an All Star this year, we're gonna have to have a fucking conversation. I don't care what the record is. Shea Gilgis Alexander is indeed him. Let's not. Beat around the bush. Okay. He is the man and should be treated as such man. But on the flip side, Luka Doncic in the fourth quarter of that game, specifically in the last five minutes, was atrocious. I don't think I've ever seen Luka Doncic this bad in the fourth quarter. Luka, again, and again, every game so far this season from the Mavericks, he's been that dude in the fourth quarter. In Brooklyn, he was that guy. In Phoenix, although they lost, he was that guy in the fourth quarter. Seems like he's not, he wasn't that guy. Like, he had completely frozen up in that fourth quarter. And maybe I might just be reading a little too much into it, but, like, every other game this season, even, shoot, Orlando on Sunday, that man's was... Off one in the fourth quarter. He was like the only one that could really generate shots. Honestly, him and Tim Hardaway Jr. from three. But for the most part, it was him and him only. But OKC, and again, I'm only talking about this because it's happened since uh, we've last watched. It happened on, I believe, Saturday. Um, in, the, in the Memphis game, he didn't need to be that guy in the fourth quarter because they was up 40. But like even in New Orleans, again, in a, in a losing effort, he was still the man in the fourth quarter. Um, it just so happened that New Orleans basically had everybody that was on fire that night. But for the vast majority of the Mavericks games for the last three, four seasons, Luka Doncic has been the man in the fourth quarter. That game did not show that he was that man in the fourth quarter. And again, might just be reading too much into it, and he's going to have an absolute banger tomorrow against, I believe, Utah they play. Um, yeah, they play Utah tomorrow. Um but yeah, hopefully you know, he'll probably have one of those bangers against U- U- Utah. 
But oh boy, that uh, three and three start in a crowded Western Conference. To be fair, is not um, the next thing. It's not what you want from a guy that a lot of people, including me, have pegged to be an MVP this season. Next, Philadelphia 76ers. Why does this team look so cohesive without Joel Embiid? I know the easy answer is, well, you have one less guy taking 20 shots a game. Well, that's that's obvious. But Tyrese Maxey looked on. James Harden, in for, uh, specifically first course, from like the jump, basically, was the man. P.J. Tucker, I believe in the first like, three minutes of the game, he had seven uh, quick points. Had a couple pick and rolls with James Harden and then a corner three. Like he was on from the jump. Um, shoot, even Tobias Harris got his uh, some isolations. Like this team looked very cohesive without Joel Embiid, and it's I'm not expecting it to happen at all. Um, once he comes back, Joel Embiid is going to take his isolations, but like at the very, 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 very least, this um they looked. Like a, a like a team that's in all in one. Like they, there wasn't like a glaring hole, glaring obvious hole with anybody. Um, and the Suns just hit halftime, by the way. Um, there wasn't a glaring hole. Um, in their offense and or defense for that matter, last night the Wizards still put up triple digits, but it was a hard earned triple digits, mostly because Porzingis was eight nine inches taller than everybody. So naturally, it was like cake down low, but. Overall, still a, a glorious effort from one Kristaps Porzingis in an effort in a game where the 76ers were genuinely the better team. Oh God. Next, I want to talk about. I feel like it's a little bit biased to talk about this, especially now that we're like, what, 2 and 5, 2 and 6. But the Detroit Pistons, man, let's have this conversation. Dog, I genuinely don't care about the record. I genuinely don't. 2 and 6, you know, it's whatever. We were a team. We're a team that's in rebuild mode anyway. But these games against Atlanta, well, the first game was against Atlanta. I should point out the second one was a blowout. But this game against Atlanta, this game against Golden State, which we'll get into the Warriors too, um, and Milwaukee. <sighs> these games give me hope, bro. <laughs> these games are here to fool me. We got Milwaukee again tomorrow, but. We this these games are here to fool me. We're, they, they want me to. They're masquerading as a team trying to compete right now, and it, it puts a smile on my face because I'm like, yeah, we got that ass whooped by New York, got that ass whooped by the Pacers, got that ass whooped by the Wizards and the Hawks again. But like these games, I don't care if we 15 and 67. These boys compete, and we're just another quality piece away from like like playoff contention. I won't lie. Like, you can't tell me with the bench that we have, because trust me, the bench we have is genuinely shit. Like, there's there's no beating around the, that bush. The bench we have is god-awful. But, like, that, that a, a quality piece off the bench is probably at the point guard position, at the, if I'm being honest. But the quality, a quality piece off the bench away from legitimate contention, playoffs and contention. I'm not saying championships yet. Probably three, four years down the line, but for sure. Um, God, that that Golden State game. Which again, we'll get into the Warriors. We'll actually segue into the Warriors after this. 
Um, but God, that that was so ma- it was a magical performance out there. It was glorious. God, everything went down, and you know we were playing defense. We we're playing tough. Granted, you know Steph Curry gave us the fucking business in the fourth quarter, but it was it was a genuine magical performance from the Detroit Pistons overall. Now, segue, Golden State Warriors. What the fuck? <laughs> you know they had the opening night win against the uh, against the Lakers. Which, you know it's the Lakers, but still they had a, a pretty good uh, opening night win. Then they came back, had a banger, although in a loss. A banger with the Nuggets, and then another banger with the Kings. And then after that, their games have either been like pure dog shit to watch, or they're just straight up getting that ass beat. Like they got that ass beat by the Heat, specifically in the fourth quarter, but they got that ass beat by the Heat basically all fucking game long, despite them winning for 75% of it. They got that ass beat by the Hornets, but out basically their three best fucking players um basically just got torched by their fucking bench which is Jalen McDaniels and like Tail Maladon and a little bit of Nick Richards too we'll give Nick uh, Richards his shout too but they're getting torched by the fucking Hornet bench and then tonight they got torched by the fucking Heat role players Max Strews, Duncan Robinson, Kyle Lowry, Caleb Morton was playing crazy fucking defense on Jordan Poole in that in, uh, in the middle two quarters Fucking like every Dwayne Denman off the bench was basically took Wiseman out the fucking game. Like he, this Heat team genuinely dog Golden State. And again, I don't want to make too big of a deal out of it because it was, um, like it, it's one game, you know, it's whatever. But this is three in a row now. It's Miami, it's Detroit, and it's Charlotte. That's three in a row where the Warriors have looked. I want to say I wouldn't even say human because human would human uh looking human would at least require them to be looking competent, looking average. They're not even average. They're a below average team, and the record says they're three and five. Now this is not a team that I picked to win the NBA championship by any means because I didn't think they got talent wise they got better. Because to me, losing GP two was one of the bigger losses of every team's offseason, not just the Warriors, but. All three of these games, they could have probably used a guy to guard Dennis Smith Jr. in Charlotte, guard Cade and Jane, uh, Cade and Ivy um, in Detroit, and potentially guard one of those shooters in Miami. They could have used one of those. They don't have one of those. Granted, like I said, I understand you know, injuries are a thing right now in Golden State. DiVincenzo's not playing. Um, and speaking of injuries, Tyler Hero didn't play for Miami either, unfortunately. He... uh. He got poked in the eye, but like I said, I, I don't want to make over. We did our overreactions already to the first week of the season. We did our major overreactions, but I feel like at this point, these are reasonable uh, reactions now that we're two weeks in, we're eight games in, and I'm potentially getting the, the identity of a team. Golden State Warriors' identity is team chemistry is a, is a mess. Team chemistry is a mess, and you wouldn't expect that coming from, you know, a team that literally just won a championship, and I understand, you know, Steph Curry is an all-time guy, uh, all-time great, Draymond Green is a Hall of Famer, Klay Thompson's a Hall of Famer, Andrew Wiggins is a really good player on his team, Jordan Poole is a rising star in his league, Kevon Looney and James Wiseman are two solid big men to have, and they got a, a pretty credible bench, too. 
with Ty Jerome, Moses Moody, Jamichael Green, um, it went healthy, Dante DiVincenzo, um, Jonathan Kuminga. They got they got talent on this team. I understand that. Pat Baldwin, Ryan Rollins, they got talent on this team. But all that talent is not going to they they just lost to a team that's you know, in theory, equal to them, a team that's also trying to compete for a championship in the Miami Heat, but they lost to a team that realistically is not better than them. The Detroit Pistons, we know, are not better than the Golden State Warriors. The Charlotte Hornets, we know, are not better than the Golden State Warriors. The Phoenix Suns, whether they won 64 games last year or not, still are not better than the Golden State Warriors. All of those teams have out-hustled, out-played, out-smart, out-chemistry the Golden State Warriors, and that is what's scaring me. Now, if it was a team like the Clippers, who I view potentially having more talent, or maybe the Timberwolves, who I vi- uh, view having more talent than the Warriors, that would be that mean one thing. But teams that realistically have no little to no talent on them, or if they have talent, they're pretty much in development stage, like the Detroit Pistons, the Hornets. The Hornets' rotation is literally scraps because no Lamelo Ball, no Terry Rozier, and um, obviously no Miles Bridges. So. There's that with the Charlotte Hornets. There's um, Detroit, where you know they're missing two bigs right now. That in the game against the Warriors, they were missing two bigs, and you know not the best Jay Ivey game he's had so far. Um, in the Miami Heat game, Jimmy Butler he was good, but he wasn't Jimmy fucking Butler. He was he wasn't Jimmy Butler in that game. Kyle Lowry and Tyler, Tyler Hero went out in the first quarter basically. Um, Caleb Martin was eh. In the most for most of the the first and fourth quarter, but the defense in itself was astronomical. The Heat lost to Max Struz and Duncan Robinson on the offensive end. The Warriors, one of the best defensive teams in the league last year, actually was the number two defense last year, lost to Max Struz and Duncan Robinson on simple pick and uh, off ball pick and rolls. There you go. Tonight, also, the Brooklyn Nets and the Chicago Bulls played. First Brooklyn Nets game post-Steve Kerr. Nothing has changed. <laughs> and I had this conversation earlier because we were actually going to talk about this on the podcast. Jacques Vaughn is not a coach if you want to make your point guard look good. In Orlando, Alfred Payton looked like piss. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. And then DJ Augustine came in in the Steve Clifford era and was 100 times better. And then Alfred Payton has basically been a backup point guard everywhere else since then. Um, I wasn't expecting Kyrie Irving to have his worst game he's probably had in his career, though. <laughs> like, that that was not on the cards when I was going through the notes. But Kyrie Irving, four points. Basically, he had the Ben Simmons stat line. Maybe not the 11 shot or it's hard, the 12 shots from Kyrie that uh, that Ben Simmons wouldn't be taking right now. But four points, six rebounds, seven assists, a block on, let me do the math in my head real quick. I believe that's 16% from the, um, from the field, 0% from three. <sighs> Two and six. This is the most scrutinized team in the NBA by far. Maybe the Lakers, but... They're top two at bare minimum. This bench is nowhere near, <laughs> nowhere near good. Um, there's some conversations that need to be had. 
I said in the offseason, this team ain't really it, so you might as well blow it up. Kyrie for Russ and those two first-round picks was sitting on the table. Now you're probably going to lose Kyrie for nothing. Kevin Durant actively requested a trade. Let's not forget about this. He wanted out of this situation. Kevin Durant wanted to go to a team that was ready to contend, i.e. either Miami or Phoenix. KD wanted out. Ben Simmons had, was actively crucified for 18 months for his inability to break out of his own head. I defended him on this podcast for 14 months straight. From the very first episode, we talked about Ben Simmons, which was like episode four or five of the podcast. So realistically, about 14 months. We, I defended this man. I was like, I think y'all are blowing this a little bit out of proportion. I think it's mostly just a back issue with him. And, you know, by the time the back issue heals up, I think, and, you know, he's being able to get in the conditioning, I think he would be a solid piece to this Brooklyn Nets team. I thought he'd be everything that they're missing, which is legitimate playmaking, and somebody who was an an above-average defender. Because they had zero on this roster last year. They went out and got Royce O'Neal, who I think is an above-average defender. Edmund Sumner, they signed, I think is above an above-average defender. But realistically, I think that's morally on the G League level. Um, nobody else on this team plays worth a lick of piss shit on the defensive end. Kevin Durant, never been known as a good defender. Nick, Cla- Nick Claxton, you can laugh when you run into the paint against him, even though he can jump. He's jumping and fouling you, most likely. Kyrie Irving has never been a positive defender in his career. Ditto Joe Harris, ditto Yuta Watanabe, ditto David Duke, ditto Pat, uh, Pat Mills. Pat, Patty Mills' numbers might be saying he's a positive defender because he was on the Spurs, who was a really good defensive team for a long time. No, nobody on this roster is a good defender, though. They got a lot of they got a few athletes. They got a lot of shooters on this team. Not a not piss shit worth the defense, though. That has been exposed for what was it? They're they two and six, so eight games this season. They have been exposed as a bad defensive team. The two wins that the, that they have this season, crazy enough. Or against the Pacers, who they have literally the rookie of the year on this on so far this season, the rookie of the year on this team, and the Toronto Raptors, who have the rookie of the year last year. So they're beating young teams, basically, is what I'm telling you. They're literally beating young teams. And they're and these are close games. They lost they uh beat the Pacers by seven and they beat the Raptors by I believe six, if I'm not mistaken. Um but yeah, the point of that. Uh, statement is is that the Nets are not getting they don't have any impressive win the defense again I will again we're gonna we're gonna keep doing the math here 130 to the Pelicans 134 to the Grizzlies 110 to the Bucks 129 to the Pacers or sorry to the Mavericks 125 to the Pacers and then 108 to the Bulls which is a good number but 31 in the fourth quarter Zach Levine was playing MVP level basketball in the fourth quarter that man could not miss a shot. I think up until like the last two minutes, he was he was perfect in the field in the in the fourth quarter. That speaks volumes, Brooklyn. And again, I understand Stephen Nash is not a defensive coach. Jacques Vaughn, whatever. Jacques Vaughn, I don't think Jacques Vaughn hasn't proved anything to me as a as an NBA head coach because his only head coaching job was with a rebuilding team in Orlando, which 
wasn't even a good rebuilding team in Orlando because they were drafting shit in that era. They were, I, I, like, off the top of my head, who the fuck was drafted in Orlando? I believe it was Nick Vucevic at the time. Well, not Vucevic. They traded for Vucevic. Um, Victor Oladipo, which Victor Oladipo in Orlando was terrible, straight up. Alfred Payton. Um, Aaron Gordon was a top five pick, lest we forget. Um... Who did they pick in 20? I don't think they had a pick in 2015. Um, 2016, they took Sabonis in the lottery, but then they fucking traded him. Um, and then that's when Jacques Vaughn was gone, and they ended up getting Steve Clifford, who took John Isaac, was, who hasn't been much better, to be fair, but he's at least talented. <laughs> like, like, he is at least, you know, he's got an, an innate trait in the NBA that is sought after, which is his defense. Nobody else in this, like, Alfred Payton's passing is not being sought after right now. Aaron Gordon, you know, he's the starter in the NBA, but it's not nearly what people project him to be in the NBA. Um, who else are we missing? Um, they also had, oh, yeah, Sabonis, who was an all-star, but they traded him. He never played a single game in Orlando. So does that opinion really matter? Don't answer that question. So, yeah, um, Javon hasn't proved anything as an NBA coach so far. And like as like he doesn't have a pedigree is what I'm saying. Like, yeah, he was a former point guard. Yeah, he, you know, he was under Popovich's tree. So, you know, so on and so forth. You hear that a lot. But realistically, he's one of the least successful of the Popovich era or the Popovich guys. I'm just saying, Steve Kerr is an all-time great head coach already. Let's not argue this. Um, Mike Budenhoser got him a, a championship. Under his tree, Darvin Ham is now a head coach. Granted, his team sucks, but it's not really his fault. Um, uh, Jim Boylan, we're not going to get into Jim Boylan. Um, but but yeah, the point is, the vast majority of the Popovich guys have had, um, have had the the luxury of success in the NBA. Shaquan has not had that luxury as an NBA head coach, and. Currently, with this Brooklyn Nets, this constructed Brooklyn Nets team, I don't see it happening. Some moves are going to have to be made and made fast because, you know, what, what we have seen through eight games is not what we are, uh, is, is not what we are expecting from Brooklyn Nets contending. Like the Brooklyn Nets being a contender, you can laugh at that statement because. Like, there's no way you ever put that kind of production on the, or put that kind of uh, product on the floor and think we're ever going to take that serious. Um, I'm sorry, I had to get into my uh, my regular Brooklyn Nets rant. Um, well, at least it wasn't a Ben Simmons rant, which we've done two already this season, and it's not even. Um, we're not even two. We we just got to the second week of the season. Um. Sorry, we just finished the second week of the season, I should say. By the way, the seven, the Phoenix Suns are beating the Timberwolves by 14, in case you were looking for an update on the game. Cam Johnson currently has 20 points. Yeah, that's that's basically what's going on. Um, Timberwolves leader, by the way, is uh, Anthony Edwards at 15. I'm only looking at I'm looking at stats on the PC while I'm recording, but I'm actually watching the game on my phone. Um, we're currently on a commercial break, that's why I don't have really a whole lot of updates so far. Not a whole lot of crazy shit has happened so far in this game, if I'm being honest. But anyways, back to an original statement. Um, but yeah, that's overall what's going on so far during the season. 
Um, there's a few teams that haven't really got uh, gotten to talk about. The Milwaukee Bucks, they're undefeated. There's not a whole lot we could talk about. Giannis is an MVP candidate. And the role players have stepped up. That's basically, like, that's, like, the synopsis. The Clippers, they've been in and out. And they got a lot of different pieces that's uh, missing so far. Um, Kawhi's barely played. Um, John Wall's barely played. Paul George had a fucking cracker. Uh, had a, he had a game. Um, last night. But overall, this team has been pretty meh. Like I'm, I'm pretty. I'm, I wouldn't say disappointed because I knew this team was not going to be a, a regular season team from the jump, based on who's on this roster. Um, but overall, like you just like just pl- style of play, like you know they they like to run the Zubac with. But uh, once Zubac is on the bench, they like to run small, and it's going to work for the time being. But I think once playoffs and you, you the two of the best bigs and in, in arguably healthy bigs in the league right now are Jokic and Cat, who are in the Western Conference, who you might play in the playoffs. So, you know, you get, open yourself up to mismatches there. But overall, I'm not I'm I'm not worried about this team's chances of the playoffs. Um same with the Warriors. Like, yeah, they off to a bad start and yes, I just crucified them, but overall I think this team will get it together by around game thirty, game forty, and they'll be hitting they'll be hitting the high rolling. Um Couple other teams I didn't talk about. Memphis. I gave my Desmond Bain praise in the last episode, and I'm proud of. Uh, I'm proud, and like he's absolutely showed why he deserves that praise. Um, we're back from commercial break, and they're showing a graphic where Mikael Bridges has currently played 316 consecutive games in the NBA. Has never missed a game. Shout out to Mikael Bridges. Never missed a game in his life, actually, because he didn't win something in college or high school. So, shout out to Mikael Bridges for being as durable as he is. Um. And as uh, motivated as he is to play all 82 games and end the regular season consecutively. So, you know, shout out to him for that. And Cam Johnson just picked off a pass. Chris Paul, Devin Booker. Devin Booker just hit a three. Um, Yeah, uh, Minnesota also I can talk about. Minnesota transition de- defense has not been good tonight either. Um, It's been a very, very uh interesting game for them in the transition defense, to say the absolute very least. Um, It's not good. I'm just going to. Say it like that. This transition defense has not been good so far. <laughs> You're getting a lot of reaction to the to Minnesota and Phoenix tonight. Um, but yeah. Uh, overall, like I said, this is honestly has been this has been a very fun season. I'm only <laughs> this monotonous because it's almost midnight. It's 11:40 as I'm recording this. Um, but overall, I've genuinely enjoyed this season so far. Every Every team has given me something to talk about, if nothing else. Um, if they even if they're bad, they've given me something to talk about. Like Orlando, Paolo Boncaro looks legit, and the bowl. Honestly, Orlando is such a gigantic team that it's it's ridiculous that they're like they like they run they run so like four seven footers and Franz Wagner together, and it just seems normal now. The same with the Toronto Raptors. But in their format, where they run a bunch of six eight dudes with a lot, basically that play the exact same game, and somehow it works. Like this team, a lot of teams so far have uh, looked really good or really interesting in a good or bad way, and that's basically all I really want out of the NBA season. Good or bad, I want you to be either entertaining for me to watch or entertaining for me to talk about, and you know. That's basically all we really want from basketball. That's really that's just really it. I believe they called a jump ball on this play. Devin Booker's arguing with a referee. 
Um, I'm waiting for that technical to come out any minute now, because that's that's basically how officiating is us in the NBA these days. Wow, no tech called. That's interesting. I think he wanted a foul, but I didn't see a foul on that play to be honest. Or maybe he called timeout, but they didn't. Anyways, I'm confused about this play. Oh, but they called a jump off. Eh, I don't know about a jump ball. I think Devin Booker probably got the timeout before. But anyways, um. Yeah, we can call uh I think we called it Phoenix jump <laughs> won the jump by the way. Um if we can call it that a podcast. If you missed the previous 150 is 160, godly, 162 episodes of the Take Over Podcast. You can check them out on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, on Apple Podcasts, on Amazon Music, and of course right here on Anchor. Until next time. I love you. You love me. Let's love each other together. I'll see you. Bye.